Thanks for that, bro. I appreciate you. I heard last week when y'all were bringing that thing out that y'all broke it. Huh? Did you show them the broken side? You see what happens, man, when you let Summit take over something? Huh? That's why that's how we do things right there. We, we tear it up. Back in the old school, we burning down the house. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, a bunch of 80s freaks. I don't know. Listen, I want to say this, that this series, the songs today, really ministered to my heart. I was down there, man. I appreciate everybody that prayed over me because I came in, I was feeling heaviness. And so, uh, I, man, people were praying over me, and it was just exactly what I needed to hear. And I prayed that this word, I, I believe with all my heart, you know, God gives the words that he wants us to encounter with him. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, take the sword of the what, saints? Spirit, which is the word of God. When this Holy Spirit takes God's word, it cuts through the joints and marrow, and Hebrew says, and rightly dividing the soul and the spirit. So my prayer is today that the Holy Spirit would take his word and would do something magnificent in us, which I believe he will do today. I mean, this is one of those, these are one of these uh, sermons that, and words and messages for us to worship God through his word that I think he's going to change everything in us and change our direction. I really believe that. And what I mean by change thing is sometimes I've gotten to the point now, I know I'm not, I don't need to do this like God says, don't do this, but I, I don't have, I have problems adding to God's word. I have problems adding to, oh, well, I think God wants me to do this with my life, or God wants me to do this with my life. And so, God, I know where you got me, but I think that's where you want me to go. So I start immediately adding to what God is doing instead of being scriptural and where the word of God says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise up on wings like eagles, they'll run and not grow weary. They're walking up faint. And so I'm, I'm worried that in my life, I'm so eager to do things for God that I add to the Lord. Now, I, I live under this mantra that I'd rather God tone me down than turn me up. I'd rather you give me somebody who is live. That's why I love, I love Summit, because you are all wild for Satan. And now you're just buck wild for Jesus. I said buck wild. That's why I love you. We were the ones dancing on the tables, throwing the parties. We were the ones, listen, it wasn't a keg till we brought it. And now God is releasing us to go his way with that same enthusiasm and fire. And so I can't, but he can, so I must because he will, has become, when I heard Brittany Gordon say that statement by our mentor, it became such a powerful sword of the spirit for me because I thought to myself, God, that's exactly what I want to do. And I want to believe in you so much that I believe that you'll do it when nobody else will believe that you'll do it. And I don't want God to be my God of theology. I want to be God to be my God of his presence. And so I told you when I was in high school how I would sit there because my parents would make me go to church, which I praise God for that. You might not like it now when you're young, but you will thank God when you're older. That I would sit there and say, I am not going to get in trouble this week. You heard me say it. How many times I got suspended in high school and like some of y'all, come on, don't act super spiritual. You were there with me, right? You were right there with me, right, Dr. B? I mean, just being kicked out. 
because we couldn't control it. I mean, listen, I told y'all, I got kicked out of vacation Bible school as a 10-year-old. That's when you know you're going to burn in a special place in hell. If Jesus doesn't show up, I mean, kicked out. I had to go back to the pastor to get in vacation Bible school. You know, I am the capital T in trashy. Man. And I would sit there, Lord, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to cuss my teacher out. I know I don't like her. I am not going to cuss her. I am not going to. And what did I do the next day? Holy Spirit. Mm. And so I would, I would, you know, Lord, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. See, I had no power within me outside the Holy Spirit. Until we're, until God radically saves us, we might can put something down for a little bit, but we're going to take it back up. But the difference is when you have the Holy Spirit, when you take it back up, God wrecks your heart. And I pray that God will do that today. So as Robert prayed for us, let's continue in a word of prayer. Lord, I just come to you, and you know, you know my mantra, you know my, wor- my words is you, you want to be your words. And I do not want to come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of, of the Spirit and the power. So that everyone in here, that their faith would not rest on, as your word says in 1 Corinthians 2, that their faith would not rest on human wisdom, but on the Spirit's power. And so I pray today, Lord, I ask you to break every heaviness that might want to take over this room, every distraction that might want to take over this room. I pray, Lord, against every dominion and authority that is not of Jesus. Because I know that if you stomp the gates of death and you stomp the gates of hell, that there's not a demon or a devil that can match our risen Savior. And if you go before us, who can be against us? Not Satan himself can stop the Word of God. Though our physical bodies might break down and be chained, the Word of God is not. And you will release it. And even in the midst of a death cry, God, your word prevails. Because there are many people that have died and are resurrected with you, Lord, through the Spirit. That have now, they're speaking, their lives are speaking loud to us. And today we encounter one of those men of God, Paul. And I pray that you would use this apostle as he would call himself the lowest of the lows, that in this we would see Jesus Christ and that the gospel would wreck us, Lord, and the gospel would have to be proclaimed and that we would speak against the heresy where people would say and quote Francis of Assisi. There's a reason why it's called the Dark Ages. Always preach the gospel and sometimes uses words. That's not even biblical, God, because faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word. God, wreck us today over you. Thank you that you've forgiven me, but I acknowledge I am in sin without the rescuing power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's power within me. So the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And may we walk in it, Lord. Remove the blinders from the hearts and the eyes so that we can see Jesus. He is the glory of God. He is the image of God. And Lord, we follow him and we put all of 
everything, every ounce and fiber of our being into Christ because it's in him we live and move and have our being. It is for your glory that we meet today. It is for your power that we meet today that the world might know Jesus so that the, our circles of influence, our spheres of influence, Lord, the little areas that you've given us that we would, instead of trying to run away and do something that would bring attention to us, may we just do what you want us to do so we, there's attention on you. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. Thank you that you've forgiven us, but we acknowledge we need all of it. And we need you, Lord. We're in the heavens and come down. We ask this only because you give us permission to do so. We ask this in the name of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Acts 26. Paul's third missionary journey. Acts 26, verse 1. His third missionary journey. This is it. This is it. He's, in the, he's speaking to the leaders of Judea, the, the Roman uh, providential leaders, and he's going to go to Rome. This is it. And, 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 in his, and his third time in Acts, he gives his testimony. Lord, help me to have emotion that's from you and not the emotion of my... Uh, um, Frustration with things. I love that people love theology. I love reading theology. I would throw my life into it. I love it. I love it. I love the early church. I love it. But I pray today that y'all, the sweet people that I love and that bring me the highlight of my week is to be with you. I pray today that, the, that your discipleship, your, your following of Christ is, is not just limited to the time that you talk about theology, but it will be expressed, the word of God and the power in us will be expressed by us sharing the gospel. Let me put it to you this way. I pray that I'll lead as many people as I can to Jesus, not me, because I can't do it. And the last time I led somebody to Jesus Christ is, was a week from, ago from last Monday. And there's so many times I want to walk to some people in here, and I want to walk to people that are studying theology, and I want to walk to some of these people who are writing uh, vociferously, and I want to say, when's the last time you led somebody to Jesus? And people follow you like little ducklings because you give them some nugget of a way that they haven't looked at Scripture. And that is good. But I want you to know that there's nothing more satisfying than seeing somebody move from death to life. And I want my life to account. I want, man, when I die, I want to go to heaven and be in the full presence of God because I have the Holy Spirit within me. But I want to take as many people as I can with me. And I pray that is your prayer. Because there's nothing's going to satisfy you. That's why you have to keep learning new theological treaties and terms. Because there's nothing going to satisfy like the presence of Jesus. And when God answers, when you know that God hears your prayers and that he answers your prayers and you see the power of God at work, I want you to know that's the greatest joy ever. And that's why today... Paul was sharing his testimony to a man, even in chains. Share your testimony. There's not a demon in hell that can stop it. 
verse 1, then Agrippa, he's the great-grandson of Herod the Great in Matthew 2, 1, the same Herod that tried to kill Jesus at his birth. This is his great-grandson, who, by the way, who was married to Bernice, his either sister or half-sister. So he was living in an incestuous relationship. And Paul was not ashamed. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. <laughs> Man living in an incest, married in sister. And he's given the apostle, you can speak now. If I was Paul, I said, I'll speak anytime I want. <laughs> So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. I love it. Maybe he, maybe he was quieting everybody down. Bring the noise, man. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Public enemy and anthrax. All right, so Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusation of the Jews. When you and I live for Jesus, people will come against us, especially the Pharisees. Because you see, it'll be about theology and not about his presence. And especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child. From the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem, you know, he's from Tarsus, which is up a little bit uh, on the northwest uh, side, it, going right there towards the Mediterranean Sea. It's uh, northwest of Nazareth. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, <laughs> that I conform to the strictest set of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial uh, I'm on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Side note, if God didn't raise Jesus, we're the most pitied of all people. I'm an absolute idiot. John, my, this, I'm an idiot that I'm walking around trying to praise God and walk with you and say that the resurrection is real, that the resurrection is real, and every sermon that I preach at a funeral and every time I bring words of comfort that I'm believing if that saint is alive in Christ, and I'm an absolute idiot. The, uh, Paul said we're the most pitied of all people. We are absolutely idiots. We are crazy to believe if there's no resurrection. What stands Jesus apart is his resurrection. I just want to break it down to your moment that people say today, well, I love God. Here's what I want you to know. If you don't love Jesus, you don't love God because in the gospel of John 42 and in 842, Jesus said that if you, if you love God, you would love me. And so the world tries because we live in this multicultural world and the world says that, hey, we all worship the same God. Oh, no, we don't. 
Because John 8, 42, you can look it up, and John 5, 42. If we don't love Jesus as God, we don't know God. I can't go to God through a prophet. I can't go to God through Nirvana. I can't go to God through laws. I can't go to God by works. I can only go to God through Jesus. And he's the one who separates all other gods. So the Dalai Lama's wrong. Five fingers. God is the middle. Judaism. Christianity. Buddhism. Islam. Hinduism, and there's God, and there are all these ways to God, and the Bible says no. That if, listen, if we don't, you know how you know somebody loves God, the Bible says? John 8, 42, and John 5, 42. If you love Jesus. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. Listen to Paul in front of this man who's over Jerusalem. He's got pedigree. He's got lineage. His great-grandfather was the one who built the biggest temple that they ever had. The wall of the western wall still stands today. There was around the temple that Herod helped build. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth and that it is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue, that is, they had the temple in Jerusalem, but people had to walk. Uh, they had to go, uh, go ways. I mean, Saul lived in Tarsus. Tarsus was about 130 miles from Jerusalem. I mean, you know, you can't just get there. It's a six-day journey. And so, you know, they built these little synagogues or these little teaching schools, right, where the rabbis would teach, and they would open up the scroll, and they would sit down, and they would, then they, they would read the scroll standing up, and then they would sit down and begin to teach on it. And he went there, he says, many a time, in verse 11, I went from one synagogue to, the, uh, to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. And so he's talking about it. Now Damascus, and Damascus, I had that wrong, not Tarsus, but Damascus was 130 miles from Jerusalem, a six-day journey. Of course, Tarsus is even further, 130 miles, he is now in his scope of persecution of Jerusalem. He's going 130 miles out. He's on the road to Damascus. He is going 130 miles out trying to hunt down believers. Verse 12, on one of these journeys I was going to Damascus, 130 miles away, six days with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. 
Brighter than the sun. If we look at the sun, we go blind. Immediately, Paul is going to be blind. Why? Because the holiness, the brightness of God himself, of Jesus, blinded him. And the things that Paul thought he could see, he wasn't going to see. And the next time his eyes were open, he was going to see the world totally different. Hmm. Sounds like when we encounter Jesus. We all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick Against the what, saints? Goats. My prayer today is that you and I will stop kicking against the goats. I pray that the Holy Spirit would challenge you and wreck you and wreck me today. That, that we are, I've been wanting to preach this for two weeks. It's been burning in me about kicking against the goads. And so on those Sunday nights, I would sit there as a non-believer in a Christian setting, and I would, by my own willpower, say, I'm not going to get suspended. I'm not going to get in trouble. But when you don't have the Holy Spirit's power, you have no power. And I kicked against the goads and kicked, and God was trying to bring Jesus. I would hear gospel after gospel. I would see people. There was an older, older, older gentleman, Mr. John Nettles. He was a principal, a retired principal uh, in, a, I think, an elementary school. And that man of God would sit in the front because he wanted to get as close to Jesus as he could, and I'll never forget it. Every Every Sunday, he would come and shake my hand, and I could feel the Holy Spirit. Man, I was tasting the Holy Spirit, but I was not, I was not surrendering to the Holy Spirit. That was a man of God, and to this day, he never preached a sermon, but man, oh man, did I feel it. And I kicked against God my whole life. I'm going to be a football coach. Uh, no, I, my dad offered me 100000 to start being a lawyer. This is even before I went to go to law school. Come do this. Come do that. I, I'm kicking against the goats. Kicking, no, I'll go do this. No, I'll go do this. No, I'll move up to Philly. No, I'll go do this. Lynette and I will go do this. I, every, I'm going to go. I, I, I'm, well, my buddy's up for the Rutgers head job. He calls me and says, I want you to be the offensive line coach of Rutgers. Great. I'm all in. Kicking against the goats. Kicking against the goats. And in my mind and in my emotions and in my flesh, I'm like, yes. But there was something inside me that would say no every time kicking against the goads kicking against, and some of us today you, we keep kicking against the goads instead of sitting and just allowing God to come rescue us we try to rescue us what is a goad what is a goad it, 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 they would take young bulls and there were these prickly spikes and, and, the, and the bull would fight against, they're trying to get the, the goad to go this way. The master of the bull wanted the, wanted the bull to go this way, and the, and the goad would prick the bull so the goad would go a certain way. And the young bull, like me, I would just fight against it. I'm going to go my way. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. I'm going to go, no, God, I'm going to do this. 
And even as a believer, I don't take away from God, but I sure add to it. God, let me get ahead of you. Thank you for saving me. I got it from here because I saw something, you know, years ago that Jesus is my co-pilot, right? God is my co-pilot. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We are not God's co-pilot. We are not equal to God. We don't even need to be in the back seat. If it wasn't for his grace, I should be run over. That is so anti-biblical. He is God. We are not. We are the creation. He is the creator. And if he wanted to even look, he could burn me up. He don't even have to say anything. And I'm kicking against the goats, even as a believer today, because I want to get, I'm going to do my thing. I see somebody else doing it, so I'm going to do it. You know what I'm going to do? Hey, I'm going to do it. And I believe this is for y'all. We want to get ahead of God. Why don't we just, it's right in front of us what to do. But I keep trying to turn, Spike. Keep trying to turn, Spike. Keep trying to turn, Spike. Something just doesn't work out. The job might work out, but I emotionally don't. Anybody feeling me today? Or are we going to get real? We're going to get real. We got to quit kicking against the goads. Well, I got I to get out of this school. This place, it's just too heavy. It's too crazy. I just want to say something. The, the reason, listen, go ahead and leave. Kick against the goads. The best way I've ever seen in any believer is when God wanted somebody to move, he brought something their way. I did not go looking for campus minister. They called me. And the day I was supposed to show up, I didn't even show up. And it was only through fasting and prayer that I submitted to this job. I was kicking against the goes, man. And the very night, the very night that I said, the very day I said yes to the job in Dr. Hunter's office, which I was like, what am I doing? I must be on drugs. God, rapture! Get me out of here. I took this job crying. Kicking against the goats. And that very night, we baptized 42 people. We baptized for 45 minutes straight. And I went, yes, Lord. Kicking against the goats. Spikes, because I wanted to go one way. So me, maybe not today, yeah, I'm not going to go out there and say, all right, God, I'm just going to go away from you and like do something. What I do, my, the way I kick against the go today as a believer is I add to God. I try to run ahead of God. I try to get ahead of God. I got ideas. Oh, it must be from God. I'm not smart enough to think that. I want you to know something. If it's from God, he'll bring it to pass, not just in my mind. Mm, I think God wants me to go out with her, even though she said no. Let me just let you in on something. There are exceptions that she might say no initially and then cave in because you wear her out. And God might do a work. It is true that the Holy Spirit makes you hot. I'm a living testimony of that. I don't deserve my wife, Lynette. Um, but let me just say this. A lot of people who make relationships work for just a little bit. And then the pricks get so bad they out. It's a trail of tears. I could have, I could have stayed in. I could have stayed in Coach Man. Listen, I could have done one. I had so many open doors. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So much financial windfall. Unbelievable. 
And I'm going to tell you what, I'd have been divorced. My kids, I probably wouldn't know that well because I would have sold my soul to a goad instead of my God. You can tweet that. What is a goad? It's metaphorically death. It leads you to death. Oh, God's going to allow that to happen? Yeah, 1 John 5, 16, there's a sin that leads to death. Go ahead. Keep partying. You're going to get in a car with somebody. I know what I'm talking about. You're going to get, and it's only by the grace of God you got out of love. Listen, I'm not, I'm not here to beat up on sanctification issues. I'm just saying today, as believers, there's goats. And he says, look what he says, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. I'm kicking, I'm kicking and kicking. And it's that young bull, it's that idea of that young bull, and I love it. Instead of quietly submitting to God, as, as I think it was A.C. Hervey says this, uh, that uh, is submitting to go the way and the pace the master chooses me to go, I kick against it. I don't want to go God's pace. Let's go, God, pick it up. Pick it up, man. I need more money. I need this. I need this. You know, I'm antsy. I like to move around. Let's go. Let's go. I have this entrepreneurial spirit. So after five or seven years statistically in psychology, like, I got to have a change. I got to have a change. I got to have a change. And God says, stop kicking. Why? But God, that's what I got to do. I got to keep going. And God's like, settle in me doesn't mean that you're settling in something else. You didn't hear what I just said. If I settle in the Lord... It doesn't mean that I'm settling with the world. Because everybody looks at you, well, why are you, why are you still here? You, you know, I had one person tell me one time. He said, John, you're just a lifer at CSU. You're just a lifer. You're a lifer. Fired me up. I wanted to say, I'll do what I want to do. I'll go where I want to go. I'll make a phone call right now. If I went to law school right now, I know my family, they're watching probably Facebook Live. They'd feel sorry for me. They'd feel guilty. They'd let me try and hang out. But that's kicking against the goats. And, it, and, and listen, and by the way, you know when you kick against the goats because the Holy Spirit just convicts you. He takes, he is not your conscience. He speaks to your conscience. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God is not me. It is not my conscience. It is, it is him, the King of kings and Lord of lords, giving his spirit, the triune part of the Trinity, that part of the Trinity in me, the presence of God that I can have because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he satisfied the wrath of God, paid the price for my sins, his blood washed it away, his perfect life becomes on me, imputed righteousness, and now I have the blessing of having a relationship with God through the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. It is God in me, not me. Don't kick against him. If God's got you, then just go ahead. I'm not saying sit and settle. I'm saying go hard where you are. And instead of looking around, look up. A.C. Hervey said, it's better to yield at once to the constraining grace of God, and I'll add, than to kick against the goats. 1 Samuel 2, Hannah, the prayer of Hannah. 
Ricky, uh, when I was working on this, it made me think of your wife. So y'all know Ricky. You know his wife, Summer. Uh, she's a tremendous lawyer, a wonderful. You outkicked your punk covers, but we've already talked about that. And so, that's funny. And so, I would watch your wife come and kneel. And, and, and remember that for about a year? And, and, and she would silently, she, would, she was like Hannah to me. It reminded me of Hannah because, remember, if you know anything about in 1 Samuel, when Hannah would go and cry, and Eli thought she was drunk because, like, she was, she was moving her mouth, but there, were, there wasn't words. And so he thought she was drunk. And I watched Ricky's wife come for a year every Sunday. I'm not making, I am not making this up. And she would sit and cry because she wanted to have a child so bad. I thought of her. And then the scripture, it is so true. It is so true. The last part of 1 Samuel 2, verse 9, look what it says, the last part, the last part, the last sentence at the bottom. It is not by what, saints, that one prevails. But verse 10 says this. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. It is God. It is not by our own strength that we prevail. If God's going to break something, he will do it. And so I think that that was Hannah's prayer. If you go back and look at that in 1 Samuel 2, and you see in Hannah's prayer, back in verse 9, she says, it is not by strength that one prevails. It is only, really, she's saying it is only by the Lord. So we kick against goads all the time. David Lowry calls it futility. Listen, we'll live a life of futility. In other words, what I mean by that is we could be successful in the world, but we'll never have peace supernatural. That's a goad. You don't have peace, that's a goad. And Paul, listen, you see, John, how do you relate this to Paul? Listen, all the scholars agree. Paul, listen to this. Don't you, he was alive when Jesus was alive. He knew he knew what Jesus did. He knew the cross. He knew about the resurrection. And he was kicking against Jesus every way he could. And believers, we don't say, okay, there's not a God. What we do is we say, we'll take it from here and be God. So we try to make our life in our dreams. And we get ahead of God. Where am I going to grad school? I'll go here. I'll go here. Well, listen, I tell you what. Why don't we be effective where we are before we go where we're going? Share Jesus Christ. That's why you are where you are. I got to pay my bills. Absolutely. You will have to pay your bills. And sometimes some of you in here, you'll be blessed so much following God. You'll have so much money, I'm calling you for a loan. And some of you will follow God and you'll be like the widow with two mites and you'll give everything you got. So what are some goads? You ready? We're going to burn through this. Ready? I got a book. Man, I've only had, this passage is so deep. I've only had time. Here's some goads. I'm going to give you some goads. You ready? Go back with me to verse 4. Woo, I'm going to offend some people today. Y'all better love me. You're called to love me. Remember the second commandment? Okay, never mind. Um, the Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. Here's goad number one. Are you ready? Your family. 
<laughs> well, I love when y'all talk back. It gets me going. John, Exodus 20. Honor your mother and your father. Spirit fingers. Praise Jesus. You're exactly right. You honor them. But if they tell you to do something outside of Scripture, you are free not to honor them. If your mom and dad tells you to rob a bank, pretty easy to know what to do. You rob the bank. No, I'm kidding. You don't do that. Take that off Facebook. Um, no, don't do that. What, what I'm saying is you, it's easy. But here's what I want you to know. There's times, and I've told you, and I tell you my story, because my family, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, uh, seeing me become a pastor is like, you know, what? <laughs> you know, he came past 10th grade, right? So uh, I want you to know that sometimes families can constrict you. Some of you in this room have, had, have been gone through some deep pain that family has put on you. And I want you to know today that family can be a goat. They can cause us to do things away from the Lord. Family plans. Hey, listen, some of you are students and your mom and dad say, you're going to be a dentist. And God might say, nope, you're not going to be a dentist. You're going to be a teacher. And it won't sit well. But here's what I want you to know. Just because my family backs me doesn't mean God does. And I'm not putting down family. I'm just exalting Jesus over family. Mark 6, verse 2. Watch this up here. They'll put it up. Mark 6, verse 2. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's the wisdom that has been given him? I'm sure people have asked you, what are you doing with your life? How are you going to make a living? How are you going to live? I want you to know something today. When you follow Jesus, you don't have it figured out. You just trust the one who does. What's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And then one of the saddest notes in Scripture. And they took what saints? I didn't hear you. What? That's the bait of Satan. John Bevere wrote a book on it. That's the bait of Satan. The world is always offended with Jesus. Always. And when people get offended, then offend, I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. You know what? Go to Jesus. Just go to Jesus. The whole world is offended. Just read social media. Just read. Everybody's offended with every little thing, and whatever word is said, people, because their filters are so jacked up, jacked up, receive a word. We have to use emojis. Upside down smiley face. We have to use emojis because people will take it as offensive. You want to know why? And Satan is rejoicing. He wants everybody in this room to be offended with one another. And people, listen, lost people do lost things. When are Christians going to do Christian things? Like share Jesus. When's the last time we led somebody to the Lord? When's the last time we shared the gospel? 
Well, I wrote a paper about it. Well, good for you. And the only person that read that paper is your professor, and he did it miserable because he had to give a grade. All right, so, isn't this Mary's son and the brother James? Joseph, it's Judas and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in we're, saints. He has, a prophet has honor except we're. In his what? I didn't hear you. Hometown. Among his what? And in his own. Follow Jesus in your house with all your heart. The people in your house that don't like Jesus will hate you. I just want to free you up today. You don't have to honor people who hate Jesus. You don't have to. You got to love them. But you don't have to honor what they say by doing it. You just love them. You just keep fixing your eyes on Jesus. And when they spew venom, just know this. There's a God who'll step in front and who'll swallow the venom, stomp on the person who swallowed the venom, and keep you going. There's a God bigger than the hatred. There's a God bigger than all the backstabbing. There's a God bigger than all the problems. His name is Jesus. And if death can't stop him, then I promise you, your boss can't either. And neither can your family. You will not, your hometown will not respect you. Your own household will not respect you. And your relatives will think you're crazy. They're goats. They want to pull us away. To please them as a goat. Matthew 10 becomes even more explicit here. Matthew 10, 35 to 38. For I have come. Look, look what Jesus said. For I have come to turn a man. Oh, this is, no, is going to get real. Uh, I have come to turn a man against his what? A daughter against her. A daughter-in-law against her. Oh, it gets real. Let's keep going. Verse 36. Hey, Jesus is going to be real explicit now. A man's enemies will be who, saints? Is that up there? A man's enemies will be who? I didn't hear you. Of his own household. You think following Jesus, people are going to just rally around you and say, go Jesus. They're not going to do that. There's nobody in this room and when you go hard for Christ, the people, listen, the people who like Jesus will not like you because they don't love Jesus because you love him. That's good. Only people that love Jesus will give you grace. The people who like Jesus will give you grief. Oh, come on, somebody. That's better than verdict. Anyone who loves his father, verse 37, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Hey, eulogize your kids on Facebook, but they're not your God. Oh, it got personal. I'm all for people putting people, their kids' stuff on Facebook, but I just want you to know my life doesn't revolve around my children. My life revolves around Jesus because I don't follow them. Well, I'll go wherever they go. Is that in first blasphemy? <laughs> mm, it got real sensitive in here. I'm taking offense at John. Line up. <laughs> Trust me. If you'd have had my week, you'd know. 
Anyone who loves their son or, son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So the, it's the way you've been brought up, pedigree, can be a goad. Let's, let's look at this. We're going to land this plane. Will y'all come play over me? It's 1203. I'm going to land it so we can get going. Uh, I have a lot of more, but I'm not going to give you more. It's all on Facebook, uh, but you can see it. Here's goad number two. Look at verse, um, if you look with me in verse five. Goad number two is, goad number two is education without Jesus. Ready? Education without Jesus. Verse five. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. Paul's father, scripture teaches, we, we find out that Paul's father was was, was a Pharisee, and he was, he was a Roman. So Paul became a Roman by birth, which is rare. Most people bought their citizenship who were not in from Rome. So he was rare. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He, stud, he studied under Gamaliel. He was the highest of high. He was the Harvard of the Harvard. He had all this. He had education, but he did not have Jesus. Dr. Lomberger, who teaches here, Dr. Lomberg, I've, I've been uh, like approved to, to, to go to South Carolina for, um, to do some preliminary stuff for higher ed to write. And I want to write on two things. But one thing I want to write on is that higher education, liberal higher education, has destroyed a generation. True? What I mean by that is this. This is not a political statement. This is a Jesus statement is that education without Jesus, education without the love of Christ, will destroy you. I'll prove it to you. 1 Corinthians 8.1. Paul spends, I think it's chapters 8 through 13, he spends arguing about people arguing over meat, sacrifice to idols in Corinth. There was meat in the market. Probably about, some scholars say, I believe if I'm correct, up to about 90% of the meat they would eat had been offered to idols, but they didn't use it in the temple, so then they put it in the market. So the Christians would walk by and say, hey, here's some meat. I can buy some meat. And then they're like, wait a minute. This was offered to an idol. Should I eat it? Should I not? And it created this big dilemma. It's kind of like what alcohol is to a Christian today. And he says in verse 1, now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge is the application of what you've learned. But then he says something powerful. But knowledge, but knowledge what, saints? But love what? Knowledge is this. Uh, uh, the, the word in Greek for puff there, puffs, means uh, egotism. It literally, this is what they say in the Greek. That you can look it up. I'll put it online for you so you, can, so you can research it so it's not my words. Puffs means it's an ego, egotistical person spewing out arrogant thoughts. That's literally what one Greek grammarian holds to. It's an egotistical person spewing out arrogant thoughts. So here's what happens. Paul could have said, I'm from this place, 
and I'm with this authority and I've got all this knowledge and all the little people around me, you need to listen to me. But Paul says to King Agrippa, though I have all that, it was nothing but a goad for me. I could have gone the way my family wanted. I could have gone the way the education led me. But instead, I chose to be captivated by Jesus. Education in this room does not define us. Education opens doors, but it does not tell us who we are. Might I remind you that your education might be your floor, but your character is your ceiling. It is Jesus Christ. Education will ruin us. One writer went on to write, his name is David Lowry. He's tremendous. He, he, he wrote a commentary, an expositor's commentary. Even he brilliantly states two words which seem to epitomize the, the Corinthians' point of view were freedom and rights. In other words, what they were arguing about was there were Christians says, I have freedom and I have rights. And I love what he says. Paul used these next chapters, 8 through uh, 13 in, 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 in Corinth. He said he used... Uh, Paul used and qualified these words in chapters, excuse me, 8 through 14 by stressing the importance of love for others, right? Knowledge puffs up, but love what, saints? Because in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, love never, well, 8, verse, love never what? Yeah. Strengthening the importance of love for others which sought their good by strengthening or building them up. He said, these two themes emerge. There was a me first or them first. See, when you love the Lord, when you know what happens when you, when you don't kick against the goad, then all of a sudden you put others first and, instead of me first. And so what happens is knowledge makes us, well, I know this. I know how to lose weight. I know how to do this. I know. Well, great for you. I love sugar. Your knowledge can keep me out of the grave earlier, but my knowledge of Jesus will get me out of the grave. You know that was real. So what I'm saying to you is when you love Jesus, when you're not kicking against the goads, when you're kicking against the goads, it's me first, it's me first. What about me? What about me? It's got to speak to me. It's got to do me. But when it's about Jesus, it's others first. Joy, the old, the old Jesus uh, revolution out there the, in the 70s, in the Jesus movement. Jesus, others, you, yourself, joy. And that's what happens when we kick against the goads. When we kick against the goads, our hope is stolen. And let me land the plane with this. Here it is. Acts 26, verse 6. And then he says to King Agrippa, And now because of, of my hope and what God has promised, let me break it down. What today is God asking you to submit to and quit fighting against? I'm not saying that we're saying, let's go out and sin. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, is it a sin? It is a sin to get ahead of God. It is a sin to add to what God is saying. And, and, and when we're frustrated with people around us, then it, that means me first. And man, I felt that this week. I hate preaching sermons. Because <laughs> most of the time I have to go through them before I preach them. Me first. God says, them first. Them first, because you put me first. 
a promise. Who in here needs to submit? Stop kicking against the goats. Come on, be real. You know we're kicking against the goals. We, we, look, we look more about our future than where we are. When's the last time we shared the gospel? Come on. I'm a, I'm a Christian studies major. I'll, I'll break it down for you. I want to go to our seminaries and say, in the seminaries, when's the last time you've led somebody to Jesus? That's what I want to ask it's great to study God. I'm not knocking it. Don't hear that. I'm just saying that the study of God does not replace the witnessing for God. They're promises. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping. There's the word again, twice hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Then in verse 9, I was, I have so much more in the sermon I didn't even give you. But this, this verse 9 I had broken down. And wanted to put, I was convinced that I ought to do. I want to say today, I pray that John Davis will repent from being convinced what I think I ought to do and I ought to repent and move into what Christ has for me to do. Because here's the whole point of the message and I saved it to the very end. That what the gospel does is the gospel transforms us from what we ought to do to what we are created to do. Don't kick against the goads anymore. Some of you got to settle down. But John, I'm not settled here. You might not stay here another year. God might move you in five years, but until he does, settle in. Settle down and stop giving the best years of your life to your dreams. You're giving the best years of your life to the what if. Why don't you give the best years of your life to what you have? God called us here. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're mist in a vapor. Right here. We're kicking against the goats. I need this, God. I need, he already knows. Pray it. Speak it. Share it. We're kicking against the goats. Who today needs to just come and surrender? Salvation, Lowry said, releases us from Satan's power. tired of adding to what God tells me to do. If God wants me to go somewhere, He knows right where to find me. Hmm? If God wants you to be somewhere, quit making dreams. Let it be His. You say, John, I, I shouldn't be creative? No. But God will bring it to pass. He will put a burn in you that you'll have to act on it. He will bring the opportunity your way. This is not fatalism. This is trust. Let's pray. Lord, I, I want to ask for the believers in this room. Who in here needs to come and pray? And just get on their face before and say, God, I've been kicking against this. I've been kicking against that.
I've been kicking against those things. Lord, I just want to pray right now in the name of Jesus for a heart of submission. Who in here just needs to come and say, God, okay, I've, I've been kicking. I just, I just want to surrender this. I want to surrender right where I'm at. I want to surrender right where I'm at. I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm single. I'm mad about this job. I'm mad about this degree. I'm mad about where I'm at. I don't like this. I don't like that. Lord, before you can move me, you got to transform me. I just want to surrender right where I'm at. Who in here is believer just need to say, I, I got to surrender some things. Here it is, God. I'm not going to be a fake and phony. I'm not. I'm, I'm kicking against the goals. I just got to surrender. I, I just got to go ahead and quit fighting against you. That's why I can't ever get settled. That's why I can't take the next job that's offered. That's why I apply for all these jobs, but I, but I, I just don't have peace to move on it because I'm kicking against the goals. I don't like where I am. I don't like what's going on. God, just listen, if you want me, then you come rescue me. Can't be kicking anymore. Can't be kicking. Help me, Lord, to just surrender in your direction, to your direction in your pace. Help me just surrender to your pace in your direction. You'll move me when you want to move me. You sustain me. You've never let me down. King David even said, and I, we hold this promise true, in the name of Jesus. In all my years, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I submit today. I want to stop kicking against the goads and start looking to the one who's in control of it all. Here we are. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And then, Lord, I want to pray for the ones in here who are not saved. And they have tried to make their own way to you by coming to a worship gathering by trying to give by trying to be nice by trying to do things by trying to whatever way it is by trying to be Jesus in some other way and they are kicking against the goads they are trying to stand for Jesus who's not a real Jesus they need to come to the one who is the true Jesus who is the way to you who will give them life, who will give them truth. And the truth is, Lord, that they have sinned and we have sinned and without conviction that we are dead men walking and the conviction to let go of our life and lose it and come to you without the conviction that we are not right with you and we need the righteousness of Jesus. Who are we but dead men kicking against goats? I pray today for everyone in this room, or there's people in this room who don't know you, that they would surrender right now. And I'm talking conversion, not emotionalism. Conversion. Death to life. That they want you more than anything else. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Good. We need you, God. They believe that, I pray you'd reckon they would believe that you died on the cross for them, Jesus. And that God rose you from the dead on the third day. In this moment, they know in their heart, they surrender it all to you. And Lord, they're not embarrassed to get up out of their seat, come down here and tell somebody, begin to be a disciple, because they're not at the shame of the one that they love the most. Lord, forgive us for kicking against a goat. I'm sorry for trying to add a relationship or add more money or add this or add that to my life. I'm sorry for kicking against the goat. I'm sorry saying I need more when I just need more of you. You'll make a way. Lord, I love 
hearing my sister's tears. I love it because that's you working. So, Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. We get real today. Wreck us over this song that Nick sings. Wreck us over all these songs that we sing. Heather, Robert, bring life to us today, Lord. Bring life. With you, your yoke is easy, your burden is light. There are no goats. Help us not turn to the right or to the left, but to listen to the whisper in our ears. Isaiah said, this is the way, walk in it. We follow you.